So we are glad you're here. We're talking about uh, an unshakable identity today. So my question for you is, who are you? Who are you? We got any Ute fans in the house? Sweet. There was like one in the first service. It was quite sad. Or maybe that was a Lions fan. That was a Lions fan. Sorry. Who are you? Are you a champion? Are you like the best at what you do? Are you a boyfriend? Are you a girlfriend? Who are you? Are you a CEO? Are you the top of the leaders? Who are you? What's your true identity? What makes you specifically you? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But, but in order to answer that question, it's actually not as easy as you would think. If I were to say, who are you? You could take a couple different routes with that. You could actually just start by describing who you are, like maybe physical traits, right? Like tall, dark, handsome, <laughs> middle-aged, <laughs> flabby abs, whatever, you know. Uh, you could go that route. Um, or you could take a whole different, uh, another approach, you know, and actually start to describe the things you do. So like your hobbies, right? Maybe you could describe your profession, you know, the position you hold, uh, where you're from, whether you're a, a wife or a husband or single or dating or whatever, student. You could, you could do all that. But at the core of you, who are you? Who are you really? What's your true identity? What makes you exactly you? You ready? I'm going to tell you. 0.001%. That's what makes you you. See, at a cellular level, that's your unique identity. Isn't that great? You just thought you were, yeah, I'm like one of a kind. Actually, you're really not. You're only just 0.001% one of a kind. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> no, preacher boy, it's not, right? It's not very encouraging. <laughs> it's not. I'm 100% unique. You're actually not. Because you have two arms and legs, and we share similar things like noses and ears. And most of that makes up all of, all of who you are, and you get this... 0.001% that you get to claim is your own uniqueness. Woo. So, we're, you know, think back to junior high days for a moment here and, and uh, go way back, way back, and, 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 and unless you're in junior high, then go, don't, just like a couple hours. And then think <laughs> how many chromosomes are in the body? Help me out here. How many? <laughs> wow. Are you in junior high? Yes. Middle school, high school. You know it. In the first service, someone's like, three. I'm like, no, you're an eggplant. You're right? Okay, so it actually is, it's, 40, it's 46, right? And so you get, you get how many from your mom? Okay, next answer is really easy. How many from your dad? Right, how many from Brad, Brad Pitt? Zero. It, unless he's your father, all right? So that, you get 23 from your mom, 20, your dad, and then 23 from your, your mom. They come together, and you get 46. But you get your dad's dad's chromosomes and your dad's mom's chromosomes and your mom's mom's chromosome, your mom's dad's chromosomes. So you got all that working for you too. And so you get all that coming together and you get 46 of these chromosomes that, that make you who you are. And all of these little chromosomes make up strands of DNA. And I know you probably already know this, so just hang with me. It's kind of, kind of refreshing here. It makes up these strands of, of DNA. And so all this DNA then kind of winds itself up kind of coils itself on top of each other, and it winds itself up, and, and, and it becomes part of the genetic code of who you are. So it's kind of like, like this. So if the DNA are the letters, the genes that the DNA make up are the words. And these words tell you how unique you are. It, it, it sets you apart, that 0.001%. 
how unique you are in your traits and in your attributes and your characteristics, all formed by, by these strands of DNA. But see, inside of every single cell is, is DNA. So if you were to take out the DNA of every single cell, just take it out of the cell in your body and stretch it out, the, the, the long strand of DNA, it would be this long. It's that long right there, 10 feet, sort of. I measured it with my foot earlier, so it's probably a little bit more than that. But it's about 10 feet worth of DNA out of every single cell in your body. Say, wow. Wow. That's amazing. Watch this. Sweet. It's gone. So it's amazing that the DNA, that's what DNA does. Now, now you're thinking, okay, why are we talking about this? Because it gets even better. So if you took all the DNA out of every single cell in your body, and how many do you have? You have a lot. And if you took it all out, I don't know the answer. I was hoping you did. I Googled for it last night. Everyone disagrees because I guess they're being born and dying all the time. So there's never a correct number. But you take all the DNA out of every single cell and you stretch it into, 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 each, each cell having 10 feet of that, into, 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 you get 15 trillion meters of DNA. Okay, you say wow again. Wow, wow, that's pretty amazing. It doesn't really hit, hit me very amazing because I don't really know what that number means. I mean, I, I const- I'm always getting glass over looks when people talk about finances and money and, and math and stuff like that. I'm just like, oh. You know, so when you say 15 trillion, I don't know what that means. But here, put that into perspective this way. In meters, the circumference of the earth is 40 million meters. And your body contains end to end to end DNA, 15 trillion meters okay now that right there that is mind-blowing that's amazing see even at a cellular level all this genetic information tells you what color your hair is and whether it's straight or curly or or whether you have an afro or no hair or wake up in the morning crazy hair or or long toenails or short eyelashes or whatever all this stuff in every single cell in your body is contained there the uniqueness of you it's your identity And I think it's pretty mind-blowing. And the reason why we're talking about this biology 101 lesson here is is this. I hope you hear this all the time at K2. I want to tell you all the time this, that you are unique. If you watch these motorcycle shows, right, they say it this way. You're a (laughs) one-off. There's no one else like you. Even though it's only .001%, there is no one like you. You're, you're, you're to be celebrated. You are deeply loved by the maker of the universe. I mean, he celebrates you. You are profoundly designed by him, even at this cellular level. And then we can just go on from there. I don't know what that does to your heart. Let me tell you what that, that does inside of me when I start hearing things like this, when I start understanding how God put us together and how he created us and, 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 and what he thinks of my identity. When I start understanding this, you know what it does in my heart? It makes me want to worship him. It really does. It makes me want to say, you are the man. Actually, you're the God, right? You, you are creator. You, you, are, you are it. That you, would, that you would design this inside of me, that you would make me so unique, that you would celebrate profoundly my design. It, it makes me want to, to, to put him at the center of my life and worship him with everything I have. Every single time I talk about a topic like this, it just I feel compelled to worship him. 
But, but herein lies the problem that we're going to try to tackle for the next couple minutes. The, the problem is, is that that response is correct, that, that I'm to worship God. But the problem is, is that there's, there's identity theft going on today. Now, see, I'm not talking about the identity theft that's all over the news, like, you know, uh, your SS number getting ripped off and credit cards and this and people, you know, running up bills on the internet. How many have been, been a victim of that? One in four of you will. Ten million of you will this year. I have. Beth has. Two, uh, two people in our house have, have had that happen already. So I'm not talking about that type of identity theft. The type of theft that I'm talking about here is it's actually way bigger than that. There's way more at stake than just that little financial identity theft that everyone talks about. The bigger issue is this, is that you and I, we've got an enemy today that is trying desperately to convince you, to convince me that our identity is not, that our identity is not found in God that our identity is not found in this loving relationship with him. Rather, he would like to steal that away, and he would like to convince us that our identity is found in the world around us. That you are not defined by God, that you are instead defined by the world around us. So it's a shift. He takes our identity, pushes it aside. You are defined by this. Here's how he does it. Look at the screen here. John chapter 8, verse 44. This is how he goes about it. When he... It's referring to Satan here. When he, when he lies, he speaks his native language. Wow. His native language is to tell lies. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. That is Satan's greatest weapon against you. That he would lie to you. And so you and I right now, we're, we're, we're trapped in this battle where, where he is trying to dupe you and trying to dupe me into believing that our identity and our worth and our significance and our value is derived from other things outside of God. And if he can do that, he wins. He robs your identity. So there's a lot of topics. But here are several ways that he does that. By trying to get you and me to identify that our performance really makes up who we are. That my profitability as a person, you know how much I've got in the bank, you know how well am I doing at my job, how I'm closing those deals, how successful I am, all of that, that that becomes my identity. And so I chase it and Satan's going, man, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, go for it, make something of yourself, do it, go, go, this is where it's at. So we go, we go, we're hungry for it. It's just performance or maybe, maybe it's your work, right? I find my, my identity, my significance in my work. Maybe it's a social status, Maybe that's financial, you know, where I live and how I spend my money, what I do. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, socially uh, uh, surrounding myself with, with people that I just, I, I am, my identity is my relationships, nothing more, nothing less. I am who are the people that I'm surrounding myself with. This one will sting a little bit. Maybe it's just spirituality. Maybe it's the makings of religion that I know so much about religion and, and, I, and I keep all the, all the rules and cross, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's and blah, 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 and that makes me who I am. I'm significant. Look how significant I am. Wear the badge. Got the badge on. I'm significant. I know about religion. And when these things over here start to become my identity and start to become who I am, and when I start deriving all my... my my value from that, we have a word for that. It's called worship. And I start to worship these things. 
And these things start to become central to, to my significance, my life, and even central to my happiness over here. But here, here's, the, here's the really bad part, as if that's not bad enough. The, bad, the, the, the thing that comes next is that when I happen to lose these things, if I happen to lose them, maybe by somebody thwarting, thwarting me or, or taking them away or something maybe even out of my control, all of this that I've been working for over here, this performance, this profitability, the, the accolades, the, the stuff, when that gets taken from, away from me, all my identity just starts to turn to bitterness and anger or failure or worthlessness. Or maybe I don't even have that stuff. Maybe I'm trying so hard to get the stuff and I can't achieve them. And so I begin to hate myself. I start to feel guilty because I'm not good enough in these topics over here. What I've just painted to you is the definition of sin. Listen to Tim Keller. Uh, Tim, if you've, if you've not read anything by Tim Keller, great book that he just released this last year called The Reasons for God. Fantastic. Here's what he says out of that book. And I'm going to read kind of slow because I really wanted to, 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 to soak in. So I may actually repeat it a couple times because it's not on the screen. Here's what he says. Sin is the despairing refusal to find your deepest identity in your relationship and service to God. What is sin? Sin is the refusal to find my identity in God. It's a refusal to do that. And he goes on to say, sin is seeking to become oneself to get an identity apart from God. That's, that's the definition of sin right there. And so what the problem is, is that everything in this category can be lost Everything can be lost. And so again, Satan's over here going, come on, make something of yourself. Be successful. Do these things. Come on, fortify your life. And as soon as you lose them, what does Satan do? Oh, man, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. You know better than that. You know what you are? You're a loser. You know what you are? You're worthless. Do you know what you are? You're not valuable. You thought you were valuable. Guess what? You lost it all. And he stands in condemnation. So whether you're successful at it, it's false identity. Whether you lose it, you have no identity. Sin is moving away from my relationship and my identity with God to the world around me. Here's Keller once again. Keller goes on to say, only if your identity is built on God and his love can you, uh, can you have self, can you have a self that can venture anything, that can face anything. You know, Keller actually isn't coming up with these thoughts on his own. All he's doing is reading Scripture. He's reading Scripture and understanding what Jesus is saying, what Paul is preaching in, in the New Testament. He's saying, you want to talk about real identity? This is what it is. The only way you can actually face things down is to identify your identity in Christ and to embrace this identity. Here's what Jesus said in uh, John chapter 8. And this one actually is on screen. Look at this here, verse 31. Jesus talks about this same concept that Keller just said here, this quote that I read you. And here's, here's, here's what it is. To the Jews who had believed in him. So these are followers of, of, of Jesus. Jesus said to those people, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. 
So the first thing is, if you're, if you're my follower, you're going to understand what I'm telling you. You're going to actually do what I'm telling you. But then he goes on in verse 32 to say this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? What's it say? Free. Free. So if you, if, if you follow me, you're my, you're my follower. If you do what I say, you're my follower is what he said. And then if you understand the truth and you do what the truth says, what I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, that you will be free. And when we talk about this topic of identity, we need to understand the truth that will set us free on that. We need to understand the truth of how God feels about you and how God feels about me. Really. I'm telling you, I think this is probably one of the most important sermons that I could ever, ever deliver. And and, and I'll tell you why. Because no one in here is unaffected by this. And I'll tell you what, I'm deeply affected by this. I'm deeply affected by this. So is Dave Nelson. We were on the phone last night talking through this, and we were on the phone again this morning before church, and we met several times on this topic. I'll tell you, out of all the sermons that we've ever planned together, this has been the hardest one. Why? Because this starts hitting at the core of who you are. Because, I, because as a follower of Christ, I sneak over to this camp sometimes, and, and I, I go, oh, yeah, but, but did they like the sermon? You know? Did, did, they, did they really appreciate it? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, thanks, God. You know, but did they like it? But am I a good father? But am I providing well? But, but am I well-liked? Blah, 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 blah. Insert your own deal. This camp over here is very pervasive. It's identity theft. And I'm going to give you a phrase, and and this phrase, I would love for you to be the phrase that you walk out with today. I'm going to give you this phrase and two thoughts, this phrase and two thoughts, and here's the phrase. I'm going to say it over and over again today during our time. You and I need to grab on to the love of God. What short circuits this right here, this whole entire identity theft, is when you and I grab on to the love of God. And that right there is what gives us an unshakable identity in God. So let me kind of flesh this out a little bit more. Here's the first truth that that we understand in the scripture about our identity is that your identity and my identity is rooted in relationship. Your identity and my identity is rooted in relationship. Let me go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And actually, uh, we're going to leave this up on the screen for a few moments here and we'll kind of talk through the portions of this verse. Here's what it says. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Listen, I'm telling you, this is where it's at. This is a great verse, a fantastic verse, one one of my my favorite ones, because that is what we are. Our, our, Our relationships are rooted in our identity, and our identity is rooted in relationships. So, so I, am, I am Andrew Lawrence Marshall. That is my name. And it was only about halfway through my life that I realized that Lawrence actually was Larry. So I'm actually Andrew Larry Marshall. <laughs> don't tell anybody, all right? That's the first time I've ever publicly admitted that. I just don't feel like a Larry. Somebody called me Larry after first service. I was like, stop, don't do that, all right? But uh, Andy Lawrence Marshall, that's my name, Right? And, and my relationship to my kids, they have my same name too. Well, not Larry, but they have their own names. Addison Nicole Marshall and Bailey Joy Marshall and Chloe Brielle Marshall. And they, they, are, they are my daughters. And, 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 and if I had a son, by the way, I would name him Deputy. I think that'd be cool. But they're my daughters. And the reality is this. Wouldn't that be sick? We'd just call him Dep. No one would know. 
There you go. But the truth is, you are a child of someone. You are. Relationship is tied to identity. Identity is tied to relationship. You are the child of someone. And for some of you, you think back on your own childhood, and and you might bristle against that a little bit. You might bristle against the fact that you may not want to be identified with your family. That there is no roots of relationship there. Maybe, maybe you never actually knew where you stood with your mom or your dad. Maybe they actually never told you your worth or told you your value or, or told you even they loved you. And so as an adult now, you carry all that with you. Maybe as an adult, you're struggling through that. Like, what is my worth? What is my value? Who, who am I? And so you find yourself over in this camp over here trying to gain your value and your significance from this identity shift, this identity theft. Some of you, though, are come from, from families that are very, very healthy. Where, where your, your mom and your dad, they just poured into you. There wasn't a day where you, you questioned who you were. You know who you are. Why? Because you were told who you are. They told you all the time. You're the man. You're the girl. <laughs> you're, you're loved. You're, you're significant. You're valuable. You're not worthless. You have so much value. You're unique. And you were loved. See, our identity has roots in relationship. My dad uh, has got a little nickname for me. <laughs> I've never, okay, outside of Larry, I've never told anybody this either. Here's my nickname. <laughs> it's really funny. My dad calls me the great son of the West. I don't know what that is. He just started writing it on postcards and letters. Dear great son of the West. I'm like, dear dad, thank you. You know, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's with the deputy marshal thing, you know, and uh, I, I don't know, but we happen to live in the West, so that kind of makes sense. But he calls me the great son of the West. And, that, and that's like his little deal for me. That's his name for me. He and I are rooted in relationship. My identity has been established by my father and by my mom. Here's what God says about your identity. And here's what God says about his love for you. If our identity is rooted in relationship, what is our relationship to God? Look at this. In 1 John 3, 1, we're going to throw it back up there. It starts off, how great is the love of the father? That, that little phrase right there, how great... Really what that means in the Greek is, is it speaks of something that, that has come from another country, something that's exotic, something that has not been experienced on your own turf. So when they say, how great, really, what, what's being said there is how exotic is this love? How unexperienced is this love? How, how amazing is this? We've never actually tasted this type of love before. I've never encountered this type of love. How great is the love of the Father? And then this, this great word in here it happens to be one of my most favorite words. I don't know how I get to talk about this all the time, but I do. Lavish, isn't that a great word? It's like lather, right? It's like lavish. It's, it just, I really like it. It sounds good. It's fun to say, fun to work into conversation. People think you're weird. You know, you never talk about it. But really what that word means, if you were to look at the definition, it really means to heap upon you. Not hurl, but to, like heap upon you love. <laughs> to, to shower you love. To, to just... To be generous, to pour love. So look at that verse. How exotic is the love of the Lord that he what? He just heaps it upon you. He's so generous. It's spilling over. Loving so that you and I become his children. Did you see the order of things there? That we should be called the children of God. What's it start with? What's the catalyst? It's the love of God. 
is the catalyst so that you and I become the children of God. And then don't you love that last line? And that is what we are. That is what we are. We say to our girls all the time, you are a marshal. And then we follow it by like, and we clean our plates, you know, and we always use that. You're a marshal. We pick up our junk, right? <laughs> You're a marshal. We don't, you know, do things like that. And so we use that all the time. You're a marshal. And God is saying, you, you are a child of God. And that is what you are. That's your identity. That's who you are. And then you know what that identity does to this whole entire identity theft, this lie over here? Shatters it. The truth of that shatters that I'm defined by what I produce, that I'm defined by my successes, my position, that I'm defined by my power, I'm defined by what other people think of me. No, no, no. God says, you are defined by my love. I define you. You're my child. That's your definition. You are defined by what I have done. I've lavished it upon you, and that is what you are. See, that is something that you and I need to grab hold of. We need to grab hold of that love right there. And I, I just got to stop really quick and, and really throw that back at you. Have you done that? See, I think it's really easy to just come to church and it's really easy to just kind of, you know, talk through this stuff. But, but there comes a point in your life where you have got to, to step over the, the, the line. And it's going to be very unique timing for you. It's going to be very specific for you. But to actually step over the line and say, God, I accept that identity. I'm coming to the position where I need to fully receive your love. And my question for you is, have you done that? Have you, have you placed God at the center of your life? Is, is that your identity? Because if you have not done that, then that last statement, that is what you are, is actually not true. To become a child of God is what John 1.12 says here. It says, but to all those who believed in him and accepted, the word accepted means received, for all those who accepted him and, and, and received and believed, he gave the right to become children of God. When you and I receive his forgiveness and his reconciliation, and we, we receive what he has done on the cross for us through the death of Jesus Christ, and the, and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the, de- the payment of penalty for your sin and for mine, when we receive that and step across the line, say, God, I need that, I receive it, I put my faith in you, my identity changes. I'm not who I was before. I now have an unshakable identity. This over here, pretty shakable. This over here, unshakable. Okay, I have another confession. Man, this is like the morning confessions. I didn't plan this. I'm a geek. I'm, I'm a big, big geek. Uh, many of you already actually know that. You're like, no duh, Andy. But I'm a really big geek. I love type things. I love to just hold them and smell them and touch them and, you know, and play with them and reformat them and hack them and have fun. And uh, I'm really geeky. And so I'm going to tell you, I've never, I haven't told a lot of people this. I actually have uh, like four or five GPSs at at home. I know. You would think one would be sufficient, but there actually is a reason for five. So GPSs, and they're very fun. But the coolest thing about GPSs is not being able to like touch the screen and be able to go someplace. People think, oh, that's the cool thing about GPS. You can be like, where is Sonic Burger? And it takes you there. That's not the cool thing about GPSs. The cool thing about them is that you can get home. That is very, very cool. And you think, I know where I live. Well, yeah, in Salt Lake City, you know where you live. But have you ever been lost in Russia? No, I have. Or, or, or like in a big city? See, it's really great. You can become carefree all, in the, uh, all of a sudden. You can just be like, hey, you want me to turn left? Check it out. I'm turning left. I don't even know where I am. But it doesn't matter because I go back home. 
There's a little button on here that just tells you where to go. You know, I think about this with my life. When I start to understand my identity in Christ, there is a freedom that comes through that. There's this identity of security that I, I know who I am, that, that I, I'm not fearfully walking through life anymore, wondering what's around the next, I don't care what's around the next turn because he knows. How do I get back home? Boop. My identity in Christ, who I am in Christ, shows me the way to the throne. Our relationship. Our, our, our identity, rather, is rooted in our relationship with God. That is the first thing. If you want an unshakable identity, it is only found through relationship with God. Here's the second thing. So we've talked about being connected to him. Here's the second thing that the scripture says about our identity. Is that our identity, then, is secure. See, this over here, this identity theft that we talked about with Satan, this is not security. This falls apart based off of your performance and what you can do and what you can't do and what other people do to you and, and what you lose and what you gain and blah, blah, blah. It's just ever-changing. The, the, the target is always moving on your identity and your worth and your significance. This is totally shakable. This right here, is, it doesn't last. This over here, this identity with Christ is secure. And here's the good news. You don't have to do anything. Isn't that great news? Tomorrow, you have to go to work. Tomorrow, you have to go to school. Tomorrow, you have to perform and do something. Even if you work for yourself, even if you're on your own boss, there's a bar you got to hit tomorrow. You know what bar you got to hit with Jesus? You just got to receive. Our identity is rooted in relationship with him, and then our identity is secure in him. Here's, here's how Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. And we're going to kind of float through these verses, these, this whole section here, starting in verse 35 as he talks about the security of our identity here. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I love this first statement because I feel like he's kind of throwing it out there. He's kind of like challenging. Hey, hey, who's going who's to challenge this? Who's, who's going to separate me from God? Who's going to do that? Who's going to destroy the security that I have? Well, he goes on. And he starts making a list, you know, saying, hey, maybe some of these things will. It goes on, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword is progressively getting worse and worse as he goes through the list. And then you and, I, you and I can actually insert our own stuff there. The loss of finances, the loss of a job, the loss of a family, the loss of a spouse, the loss of whatever, status, relationships, positions, whatever it is. Are those things there? Are those things able to, to, to totally rob us of our security and separate us from the love of God. And what's his next statement here in verse 37? What's it say? No. 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 I love that. Who's going to separate us? Paul is asking. He goes a bunch. No. Nothing. No one can. Goes on. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through what? What's it say? Through him who who loved us. Do so you see the catalyst there again? Paul says, no, nothing can separate us. We are more than conquerors. Why? Because I, I did something? Because, I, because I'm the man? Because I, I, got, I got it all together? No, 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 no. You are more than a conqueror because of him who loved us. It's all him. It's all him. It's all him. See, the security is all him. It's nothing that I have to do. I like that little phrase there, more than conquerors. Isn't that cool? It's almost like he's a, you're a conqueror. No, 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 no. You're more than a conqueror. You're like a super conqueror. But you have to put that actually historically into view of the day. 
right? The conquerors of the day, the guys who were bringing it, like the, the big-time conquerors, Alex the, the Great, right? Alex the Great and then Caesar. No, it was just Caesar, right? So it was Alex the Great and Caesar. These are great conquerors of the day. And, and Paul is saying, you are more than that. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your identity changes. In other words, it's his identity that bolsters you. It's his love that defines who you are. It's, it's his love that gives you the victory and the, and the strength, even as a child, to weather any storm in life. It, I know there's a lot of storms going on out there. I mean, you, you can't listen to the news without hearing a lot of the storms that the ground beneath our feet sometimes feels like it's just totally cracking open and fissures are just splitting out and it's shaking. You're wondering about tomorrow. Do you know what? If you are in Christ, and that is what you are, you are more than than a conqueror. Why? Because of his love. And the scripture tells us that you and I are to take hold, to grab onto that love. That's unshakable identity. Paul goes on in Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. He says this, For I am convinced. You you know that little phrase means is, he's not saying, so I think. No, no, no. It's much stronger than that. He's saying, I know. Like, I know this is true. That neither death nor life, nor, nor angels, nor demons. What he's saying is no spiritual forces are, are, are powerful enough to undo what God has already done. Not, nothing present, nor anything in the future. So anything presently happening in your life, nothing in the sphere of, of your timeline, your life, anything today or anything tomorrow. And isn't that where all the worries happen to be most of the time? What's tomorrow going to look like? What's my 401k going to look like? What's my business going to look like? What's the bottom line looking like tomorrow? What, right? what, what's my job look like? What does my marriage look like tomorrow? What do my kids look like tomorrow? What, how am I going to do that? How am I going to wrestle with that? And God says, no, no, no. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you. Nor any powers, he goes on to say. Nor anything else nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. That's kind of Paul's way of saying, hey, if I left anything out here, (laughs) it kind of fits into this last category. There is nothing, and he finishes it off, that will be able to separate us. And here it again, here's the catalyst. From the what? The love of God, given to you through who? Christ Jesus. When you and I grab hold of God's love, when we start to internalize that and start to understand how God feels about us, start to understand his, his great re- reconciliation, his forgiveness, his, his great grace for you and for me, when we start taking hold of that kind of love, hold on, it totally changes your identity. It, it becomes unshakable. No one can take it away from you. Nobody can rob that from you. Nothing, nothing can compel you away from Jesus Christ. When you start to understand that, when I grab hold of that love, when I start to understand his care, nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can stop. 
Here's one last, last thought that, that, that he gives on this topic, but you've got to roll back the verses a little bit. Same chapter, but you roll it back to verse 28. It's salt and peppered in here, and here's, here's what he says. And we know, and we know that in all things, God works together for, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what then shall we say into response to this? What, what are we going to say? We know that God works together. He, he works everything. He takes everything, all the good, all the bad, all, everything. He uses everything and puts it together for the good of those who are in relationship with him. What, what then are you going to say to that? Well, it goes on. <laughs> if God is for us, who can be against us? See, this whole conversation in, in, in chapter 8, who can separate us? Who can take your identity away from you when you're in Christ? Who can steal that? Who can shift that? Who can dismantle that? No one. Why? Because God is for you. Because God's love, you've taken God's love, you've grabbed hold of that love, it's your identity. Who then, who then can take that away? Verse 32. <laughs> and here's the evidence. God did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give all things? Isn't that beautiful? So along with getting uh, the name Larry and getting the great son of the West, I got another amazing gift. And it's actually Romans eight twenty eight. My parents gave this to me. I think I, I'm, I'm convinced that this is probably the first verse I ever learned in my whole entire life. My, my birthday is August 28th. And so they gave me this verse and they taught me Romans 8, 28. And I have clung to this verse through some really rough seas in my life. Remember the bridge? When you are just white knuckled and you are holding on and you do not know what tomorrow looks like and, and it feels like the ground is splitting away and falling out from underneath you and it's shaky and nothing is certain, I hold on, I cling on to these promises. So you've got to realize here that Paul is not saying, hey, life is going to be great. Life's going to be excellent. No problem, no, 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 no trouble or no hardship or no persecution. He's not saying that. He is saying you are going to go through those things. You are going to go through dark, hard, heavy periods. You're going to experience that all. But you will not go through that alone without Jesus Christ because that is who you are. He works it all together for the good. The other realization here is that even if you fail, even if you're the one that messed it all up, even if you're the cause for the ground shaken beneath you from something you did or something maybe you didn't do, even then, God says, ah, who's going to stand against me? No one, not even you, can change the security of your identity in Christ. I'm telling you, do you see why this is the most important message that you and I could ever understand? If you know who you are in Christ, nothing, nothing shakes that identity. As we go into worship and spend time with our Creator, I want to give you a gift. About three years ago, on a Sunday morning, we pulled these out. And I have to tell you, 
out of everything that, that I think we've ever handed out, this is the one that I get the most comments back on, that people are like, are you, are you kidding me? This, this is crazy. This is amazing. And so we want to give it again this morning. And really all it is, is just pure, straight scripture about who you are. We started off this time asking you, like, who are you? And you could describe all the different ins and outs of who you are. But it doesn't actually matter who you think you are. You know what really matters? is who God says you are. Why don't you grab, grab this piece of paper really quick. Just, just grab one next to you on the, on the chair and just take a look at it. There's a bunch of I am statements. The one that tops it off that I love the most is I am God's child. <laughs> Here I am, I'm like 35, and, and I'm, I still struggle with this topic. I'm still like, man, I, I wrestle through this. Addie and Bailey, they, they, they were playing and last week, and Beth stopped them. And, and she didn't even prompt them. She hadn't talked to them about this. You know, she just went up to them. She goes, hey, girls, who are you? She was just so intrigued what their answer would be. Without missing a beat, Addie looks, she goes, we're God's children. And goes back to what she's doing. Oh, from the mouth of babes, that's the identity that God gives you. Look at your paper here. I'm justified. I'm complete in Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm free from condemnation. Satan, did you hear that? Don't go, don't go reminding me because as a child of Christ, as God's child, I'm free from condemnation. I'm assured that God works together for my good in all circumstances. If you are a follower of Christ today, would you, would you just take this and put it on your, your visor in your car, you know, put it on your mirror, tape it to the dog, do whatever you need to do to see this thing. Surround yourself with truth. You got to surround yourself with truth because you're in a battle. Satan wants to steal your identity, so you fly back at him. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I just crossed over the line into forgiveness. I received grace. I don't know what you're talking about, Satan. I am a child of God. But see... During this worship time, some of you who are followers of Christ, you may have to actually do business with God in this camp over here. You may have found yourself chasing after false significance and false, false identity of how much you produce. And, and you're going to know that because if your 401's tanking right now and you just feel horrible, it's a small indication. That, and there's nothing bad with that. But if your identity is tanked to that, your identity will tank with your 401k. You will tank when the world around you is tanked. That's, that's an indicator to know that you may have to do business with God and say, God, would you remind me of my identity in you? I've been playing over here. I've been, I've been robbed. I've been, I've, the thief has moved me. Would you move me back secure in you? As we move into a, a time of worship, have that conversation. It might look like confession for you. God, would you forgive me? Reveal to me again who you say I am. Speak to my heart. Tell me those things. Because that is what I am. It starts with taking hold of God's love. But see, it has to start there. You can't have this identity over here unless you have taken hold of God's love. And there, there are some of you in here that need to do that. And I'm telling you, if you're, if you're waiting to, to cross over the line into relationship with God, if you're waiting for the day that you're going to figure it all out and find out all that you need to know to find out about God so you can make the best decision about crossing over the line, you will never cross over the line. 
this might be the day for you to just come to Jesus, to receive his love. God, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that entails. Here's what I do know. I don't want that. I don't want that identity. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm beat. I need your identity. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. And you can do that this morning in the quietness of your heart, praying during a worship time, praying to God and saying, God, I receive all of you. Take all of me. And when you do that, you have a new identity in Christ. <sighs> Don't you want to worship? Like this, every, every bone in my body right now goes, dude, I want to worship you, God. We start talking about this DNA and then you tell me about my identity. I want to worship you. <sighs> so let's do that. Let's worship God. Let's worship the creator that makes your identity secure, unshakable in the shaky life we live. And as we do that, we're going to take an offering to you. And again, this is one more way for you and I to actually worship God. He's given so much to us, we give a little bit back to him. If you're a, a visitor, you just let that pass. But if you feel compelled to worship God through giving back to him, let's do that. Let's worship. Stand with me.